Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. I'm of course your host, Mark Kushnez. I got a lot of games to talk about on today's episode, including Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharged, Haunted House Bish Bash Bots, Vlad Circus Descend into Madness, Creepy Tail Ingrid Penance, Astro Flame Starfighter, and Ball Lab 2. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. As I continue to have nothing but an absolute mess of hair on the top of my head that I should probably get cut. But then I am feeling like growing out again. But it's just, what do people do with hair? How do people who don't have cowlicks not appreciate the fact that they don't have cowlicks? Must be nice. My hair is just a freaking mess of a mind of its own of I hate it so much. It's so aggravating. It's just a nightmare. I don't know what to do with it, but I like having it. But then it just doesn't look like anything other than a nightmare. But of course, before I get to what I've been playing and all that good jazz, if you would like more than just hearing me talk about games, of course, Patreon. Nah, I don't like to do it. You know what? I, I don't like I don't like plugging any of that shit at the top of the show. I do it here and there when I remember. And every time I do it, I think, eh, I don't like this. So let's just get on to what I've been playing instead. And just, you, uh, I put the, the seed of Patreon in your brain. And I'll get you that at the end of the show. However, if you want more nonsense and more off-topic content, like a Q&A every week, that's the place to go and look to see where you could maybe get that stuff. All you can oatmeal, aka all you can eat. Let us start with Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharge, which is, spoilers, the sequel to Hot Wheels Unleashed 1 Normal Charged. This is very much more of the same. For better or worse, this is more of the same. So if you play the first game and enjoyed it, and just want more of that, you're in luck, my friend, because that is what you're getting. It's been a while since I played the original game, the first game that is. So my memory of certain things may be a little bit off, but going back to this, it, or not going back to this, returning to Hot Wheels Unleashed in this sequel, it felt like I was just playing more of that game. And I was not a fan of that game. The cars feel a little bit better to control, I'd say. However, my issues with track design, track layout, the ease of falling off of certain tracks, the way some tracks are more open and only have your path, your track guided to you via in the world make it very easy to go off the track 
You have to hit checkpoints, which can sometimes be finicky, and I don't like doing that. It just... It bums me out because I really, really, really want to like the game. And if you've not played the first game, this is just an arcade racing game where you're playing as little Hot Wheels cars instead of real-life fancy schmancy cars. And the campaign in this case follows a dumb story where you play as this group of ragtag folk who have to stop these monsters from wrecking havoc in the world and how you do it is by shrinking them. I stopped paying attention almost immediately. I'm not sure what the actual plan in the story is because I'm assuming you are regular sized humans but you're shrinking the monsters down to hot wheel size and then tricking yourself down the hot wheel size because you're driving in these hot wheels you're not driving in real cars you're not shrinking them down to human lives if you can shrink them down that much why don't you just shrink them down way smaller than you are as a person and then step on them why are we going through this whole rigmarole but the campaign feels very similar to the first in that you're just following these paths. And it's not even, there weren't any branching sections that I could see either, which is something I remember there being in the first game. It's all very straightforward. Follow this singular path of various races, and it's sort of set up to show you to give you a taste of each of the various racing modes so that you can just go into online play and offline play whatever and be familiar with everything so it works well in that sense of giving you a handle of how every mode works except I completely forgot how to do the little boost start at the beginning of a race and it tells you at one point and then I don't know how to find that information again. And I Googled it and I tried doing what that said, but those are all related to the first game, which I'm assuming maybe it works the same way, but I tried doing it and it, I, I couldn't get it to work. So that was fun. But the racing modes are pretty boring, standard, uninspired stuff when you are playing the, in these fantastical areas mini golf courses arcades dinosaur museums and it could be more exciting though the game looks all right it looks all right i saw one review that said the game looked incredible and i was like what the fuck are you on about it does not look that good the visuals look a bit blown out and I'm not playing on the Series X. But the visuals look a bit blown out. And overall, my memory at least, doesn't look that much better than the first game. The environments, I think, maybe have a bit more detail to them, are a bit more complex. But overall, it is in no way a stunner. 
But the racing modes are your traditional lap-based racing, uh, ra racing mode against opponents, a time attack mode, a an, an elimination mode, a waypoint, 18-point waypoint mode that is its attempt at doing a golf type thing or something, I don't know. Where you just drive from waypoint to waypoint to waypoint. 18 of them. There's no track or guided path. You're able to get to the next waypoint however you like. I hated that mode. Because I think it really shows off how messy the driving can be when you're not even given a path. And the waypoint doesn't work well in that when you are making your way towards the next one it doesn't give you any indicator on the current waypoint of where the next waypoint is going to be so instead of just having some arrows that are pointing in the general direction of where the next waypoint be whether it could be behind you it could be to the left or the right you just have to wait until you cross that current waypoint to see where the next one shows up. You'll, you'll get an arrow once you do that, but it would be nice to get a little bit of a heads up in certain cases where you are close to a wall or something that that little bit of extra information would have gone a long way in allowing you to hit the next waypoint as fast as possible and as smoothly as possible. But instead, you have to just learn through trial and error, essentially, so that you can better uh, better complete the race on a second attempt. Not only that, but it's just more of the same. While the the, the vehicles control pretty well, and they they have added quite the variety in vehicle types so you have all your cars but then you have giant monster trucks which I don't remember being in the first game and what I know was not in the first game you have motorcycles and ATVs however they don't drive super differently and there aren't modes that cater to different vehicle types I don't think at least I would say that any car that doesn't have a strong drifting ability is kind of garbage and just like in the first game you have two different boost types you have the boost bar which goes down as you use it or the boost buttons or whatever they want to call them where you have a certain number of boosts that when you initiate them, they last for however long they initiate. Uh, they're, they're going to last, and I don't like those cars because I find that boost system to be far more limited in usability. And yeah, given the fact that you are driving around in these toy cars, they are incredibly sensitive to any type of interaction. So a little tap here, a little tap there. If you hit this wall or that wall or go over this surface, 
in the perfectly wrong way, your car can just go spiraling out of control, which can be frustrating. Like in the first game, it doesn't do a good job of on its own telling you that, hey, hey, maybe you should reset your car. So you have to remember, this is the reset button. If you fall off track, you got to hit it. It doesn't always reset you in the most idealistic of spots. But I made it through the first two boss fights in the campaign and didn't particularly enjoy any of my time with it. Dabbled a bit with some offline play, didn't try online. But it, it's just more of the same, for better or worse. In my case, worse. But if you really enjoy that first game and are wanting more of that, good for you. I also think I read that all of the tracks from the first game are not here and they just decided to start over, which seems kind of like a waste. You have all that content, why not carry it over, or at least some of it. The one thing I'll say that I like about the game, because I dabbled a little bit with it, but I did not go deep into it and, and everything, is there's a pretty decent track editor. There's also a, a livery editor so you can edit car looks and everything, except I think that's a bit clunky. And, and maybe even the level of editor is clunky in its own way, but I can at least compare the way car customization works to car customization in Forza. And I think it is a bit smoother there. It's not terrible in Hot Wheels, but it can be a little bit clunkier navigating those menus. But you have a, a lot of ability to customize your cars and their look. I especially like the base paint jobs you can do because you can give your car that sparkly, frosty, glittery look that when I think of that type of look, all I think of are little Matchbox cars. I don't think of that style of sparkly, glittery surface on anything else. That's cool. But they don't look particularly good. These don't look like lifelike toy cars. They look very low texture-y. The, the game looks nice. It's just amazing. I don't think so. But the track editor is nice. And I think that after the game's been out for a while might deliver far more interesting level designs. Because I think the the track designs are pretty boring, all things considered. You have the ability to create these really wild, over-the-top tracks. And instead, I find that too often things feel a bit more reserved than one would expect and for me at least I still think that the Hot Wheels 
expansions we've gotten in the Forza Horizon games, for instance, have been better iterations of better uses of the Hot Wheels IP. But that's just me. Disappointment, but I think for a lot of people, they're going to be quite pleased with Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. Next up is Haunted House, which is a reimagining of the Atari classic from many, many years ago that was on the 2600, I believe, and I have no experience with. So I don't know how the original game played at all, but this new version of the game is a much more significant upgrade than the recharged line of games that Atari has put out, which takes almost always, if not always, arcade games specifically and gives them a bit of a neon visual glow up, quite literally, and then spices the game up, uh, the gameplay up a bit, but it's at its core the same exact experience, just with a bit of a facelift. This, on the other hand, is a complete 3D reimagining with really, really nice art. I love the way this game looks. It's super vibrant and colorful. Played from an isometric uh, camera angle. Angle? Angle. And I really, really like the way it looks. The game itself is a roguelite. It is, is, is how it is set up. And I, I don't know if that is similar to the original. But what you're doing is going through this mansion, this haunted house. And there are additional areas as well after that that I've not reached because I found certain parts of this game annoying. But you're going from room to room with various tasks when you hit each room that you have to complete until before the door doors or door to the next area is open to you. And these tasks include finding a sculpture that you put on a podium to unlock the next room, defeating all the enemies in a room, surviving for a certain amount of time, discovering a certain object or exploring this magical world and so on and so forth. And what you're doing from room to room is typically avoiding ghosts, hiding from them, sneaking around. And if you get right up behind one, you can usually take it out with your lamp, which you use to unlock certain light sources or defeat enemies in the case that I just said seconds ago and at your disposal you also have items you collect which can heal you food that it can heal you or certain objects that will help you in your completion of areas defeating enemies avoiding them so you have stuff that'll stun ghosts a costume that'll make you look like a ghost, just a white sheet that you put on yourself so you can 
blend in for 20 or so seconds. A little rubber ducky that'll work as a distraction. A blow-up doll that will freak out enemies and get them to attack that if they're attacking you. A snow globe for freezing enemies. And so on and so forth. And so you're going from room to room and room until you reach the boss of a certain area. And then you'll be told to find a certain number of objects related to them and then to get out and work your way through it. However, the stealth attacks from behind enemies doesn't always work. The the on-screen indicator to attack them, which is the X button on Xbox, doesn't always show up. And if it doesn't show up, you can't do anything. And then sometimes when it does show up, it doesn't do anything. I'd say it works probably around 90% of the time, but 10% of the time, something's going weird. And that's that's enough of a percent to be frustrating. There's a bug that I experienced and was able to replicate where in some cases you'll come across a room that has a giant statue of an eye, I believe, in it. And when you enter that room, there are no enemies or anything. It's just a temporary upgrade room for that run only. So you go up to that statue and it'll say, do you want to upgrade your health, your stamina, or your lamp? Pick one of them and then you move on to the next room. However, the way the game works is that you may go to a room that's a dead end and then have to backtrack. If you have to backtrack into... The room with that giant statue. I've had to do that a few times. Every single time. It has. Reset itself into thinking. I can't leave this room. Until I interact with this giant statue. To get my little bonus. However you can't. Get the bonus more than once. So you have to, if you have to backtrack. Through that area. It's going to lock you out. And. You're just going to have to end your run and start over because you'll be stuck in that room. You won't be able to get out because you can't interact with the statue again. But the game wants you to and won't let you advance until you do. So you're in this loop of not being able to do anything. That's a bit frustrating. The, the, The game itself is just... I really like what it's trying to do, but I find doing it is just not that fun. When you are given these tasks and how to deal with the ghosts, the items at your disposal don't always seem to work all that well and ghosts will just ignore them and attack you if they're in rage mode. If ghosts do get attracted to you, it seems much harder to run away far enough for them to lose interest so that you can reset and start over. It seems like they they seem very aggressive. And in some cases, they are incredibly aggressive. I found the boss characters to be especially aggressive. 
in this game that looks very geared towards kids. And when your run fails, when you die, you reset, you start back at your beginning of the match and where you'll have a few things that you can do to make future runs easier. You have an upgrade station where you use these gemstones you earn from runs that you get from completing each level, uh, each area, each room that is. So when you complete a room, a chest will appear. You open the chest, it'll typically give you one set of gems and then a item you can use for future areas or have it leave in your inventory. Sometimes you get two gems, two gem packs. These gems you use to upgrade your various abilities like stamina, stamina recovery, your number of slots, your health, your lamp power, how much damage it does, and a few other things. And then you'll have a little area where there's a dude who will accept Atari cartridges and give you some stones for those as you find them, which is kind of nice, but I don't think they do all that much with that. You just find the cartridges randomly during runs, bring them back to them. They'll give you a paragraph about the game and that's it. Feels a bit empty. And then also during runs, you'll come across some other humans who are looking for help. A chef who wants you to find 20 of their objects for their cooking that will give you gems for those. A lady who wants her lost kittens. So bring them, bring her back her kittens. And so on and so forth. It's, it's a good idea. I think for attempting to take a very bare bones game, presumably, given that it's an Atari 2600 game, I can't believe it's that complicated, but taking something from that generation and attempting to modernize it, I think Haunted House does an admirable job. It's a solid attempt. But in the end, it's just okay. I think if they, one, get rid of that one bug and maybe iron out some of the kinks, could be a decent time. But as it stands, it's okay. And please get rid of that bug. Next up is Bish Bass Bots. Bish Bash Bots which is a game where you play as a human in this world where humans got all fucking lazy and made a bunch of robots to do all the work for them so they didn't have to do shit. And they're like, oh yeah, I like this life. The Wally life, we call that. But then robots were like, fuck this shit. And they started stealing all the technology and all the electronics. They're like, we're just going to take this shit. And you're not going to do anything about it because you're all a bunch of lazy mother effers. And then as the robots are trying to take control of the world, you as a youngin with your three compatriots are like, 
we 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 not lazy. We smart. We just we just, we're at the science fair. And you know how we're gonna defeat these robots and put them back in the place? We're gonna we're gonna tower defense them. And that's what Bish Bash Bots is. It's a tower defense game that's surprisingly dull and boring in part because the way the audio is set up and everything and even the on-screen visuals there are not strong indicators of your towers attacking or doing damage there's a lack of input not input uh, feedback 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 there's a strong lack of visual and audio feedback to anything and everything happening in the game that makes it incredibly hard to engage with the game. I was playing it and thinking the whole time, watching the stuff happen on screen, is stuff actually happening? I mean, I know it is because I can see health bars going down and I could barely hear these turrets firing and I could barely see that there's something happening but it sure would be nice if either or both of these things was way more visible or audible or anything because it's just it might not be something that bothers most but for me it, it really took away from the experience and it sucks because I think there are some interesting things at play in Bish Bash Bots, which can be played with up to three other people. So you can co-op with three other people. So there'll be four players total. And it has a pretty nice, bright, colorful aesthetic. Nice color palette. Very cute. It feels very much so the way everything is set up because you're, you're riding around in your... I don't know if it's an airship or what the hell it is. But the way the game is generally set up feels very in line with stuff like moving out. What the hell is the food one, which is the popular one? Open. It's not open. It's not open critic. Open mouth, open house. Moving out. Gourmet over the top. Overcooked. Overcooked. Is that it? I think that's it, but I didn't play much of that one. But stuff of that nature. But what I really like about the way the gameplay is set up is that you have your general layouts of the various areas that you play and set up your towers and everything. And you have designated spots where you can play, uh, lay down towers. And then, of course, you control a character that is in the world as well, that can attack and interact with the enemies, which are the robots. And the robots will come along their specific pathways, like they do. However, what I really like and I find interesting about the game that adds its own little wrinkle to the tower defense genre and gives it a unique feel and a unique gameplay element is that when you attack enemies as your avatar form, your human form, you're not only doing a little bit of damage, you don't, you, you don't do a lot of damage as your character. But what you are doing is knocking the enemy off their path. 
the enemy will, every time you knock them off the path, make their way back towards their path. But you can use this system to knock enemies into certain spots where you might have a bunch of turrets set up so that a lot will attack in this designated ring uh, cone of area. And it adds a extra layer of strategy to a genre that has felt very stale, very samey for a very long time in my experience. I haven't played a lot of tower defense games that have felt particularly fresh, but this element adds a bit of freshness to it. And then there will be areas that have holes in the ground in the world where you can defeat enemies, big ones, small ones, in one shot, essentially, if you just attack them and knock them into these gaps. They'll fall down, they'll die. And stuff like that makes the gameplay feel a bit fresh, which is nice. However, again, there's just no strong feedback, visually or audibly, and that fucking, that killed the game for me, which sucks because I like the way it looks. I like the way it plays. You upgrade your turrets by smashing them with your hammer or by collecting these boxes that will sometimes fall from defeated enemies that'll give you a bit of a boost. But I like that system too because it doesn't force you to use the currency you use for buying new turrets, for setting up new turrets during a level. So you don't have to worry or... or think about whether or not you should buy a new turret or upgrade a turret. You just have to take the time to hammer away at your turrets to uh, upgrade them. You'll unlock some cosmetics for your characters that I think don't look all that great, that are more distracting than cute or whatever. They, they stick out a bit too much. But that, that lack of feedback really killed it for me. But that's Bish Bash Bots. Next up is Vlad Circus Descend into Madness. This is an adventure game where you play a clown who just recently got out of an insane asylum after being part of this circus that had a tragedy tragedy nine years ago after it was sabotage set on fire many people lost their lives even more were injured and the one brother survivor half owner of the circus has decided to bring it back has brought back all the former circus folk and you all show up to this mansion where some crazy stuff starts happening. I only played it for 45 minutes because I was bored out of my mind. The promise of descending into madness never came to fruition. It made its attempts over my little bit of time with it where you would come across a bunch of rats feasting on the corpse of a dead cat 
and your character would see it and freak out and you'd get a brief cut to a visual of the the scene with very very nice well done pixel art game looks good solid writing too but every time you'd come across something like that you're in the woods you come across a mangled body with the head cut off Ooh, it's so scary but it, it never it never hits the way I think it wants to hit And when you run into these things, your stress meter go up. You have your rosary on you. You just pray, get rid of your stress. That whole system, gameplay system, has not shown itself to be anything more than just, oh, well, you saw something disturbing. Your stress level's high. Just pray and everything will be fine and back to normal. Okie dokie. But in what I played... It was just a lot of story that I was not all that interested in. And the usual annoying point-and-click adventure type of gameplay of a lot of backtracking, a lot of wasting my time, making me go around in circles to do this or that, when realistically I could just... I should be able to do this right now, but you're making me do this and then go back over here so that I initiate that and then go back and do this other thing it's just really really tedious and there was nothing in those first 45 minutes that hooked me and made me want to keep playing and I believe in the description I, I want to look this up before I move on I believe in the description it talks about a blend of different genres that I have yet to experience because all I experienced was the adventure game but the steam description flat circus cinemas puts your sanity to test challenging to escape a labyrinth of nightmares and torments test your mind against a slow burn of puzzles light survival mechanics and methodical action experience chilling because I think there was some metroidvania thing so I see an action I see a gif of some action where you are shooting against a bunch of rabid skinless dogs or something but I have not come across any of that it just it did absolutely nothing for me. I was waiting for something to hook me, and it just didn't do anything for me, and it was a bit of a bummer. But even more of a bummer is the next game, Creepy Tale Ingrid Penance, which is another adventure game where you play a spoiled little brat piece of shit who ends up falling into hell because you're a despicable little girl who deserves to be in hell and deserves to be tortured. And because of that, I really hated my time with the game because why do I want to play as this piece of shit? The game is about her redemption. I don't want that fucker. She's the worst. 
and the, the, the there's voice acting, and you sound annoying as shit, and you're a little girl, you do not sound like a little girl. They should have found a better voice actor or not had voice acting in the game because you don't sound like a little girl, but you do sound incredibly annoying. And the way you're introduced is your mother gives you a loaf of bread to take to your grandmother. And when you're walking in the woods, you come across a puddle that if this wasn't a 2D game, you know, you just walk around it. But instead you're like, oh God, I don't want to get my shoes all dirty. What, what can I do to avoid stepping in this puddle? Oh, that's right. I have a loaf of bread on me. I'll put that in the puddle and step over that way. I'm so smart and I'm such a piece of shit. Except when you step on the loaf of bread, that's when you fall into hell. And I just was so, for some people, that probably fine playing as this piece of crap. But for me, I don't see the appeal of playing as this little spoiled brat. Even if over time she learns the error of her ways and becomes a better girl. Because she wasn't finding that out right away. Even when she fell in the house, she was still a little piece of shit. So. If you want to play as a piece of shit. Check out Creepy Tale. I like the art. It's got a nice simplistic 2D art. That was alright. But it's just a traditional adventure game where you're playing as a piece of shit then Astro Flame Starfighter is a horizontal vertical 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 scrolling jump gosh darn it I always remember my the way I always remember is vertical jump that's what they say in sports what's your voice your vertical like oh up down up down that's how that's how I remember it it's a vertical scrolling shmup. That's okay. This is another case similar to Bish Bash Bots in that the audio levels, even when I boosted the audio for your main weapon, the, the levels and balance are really weird in that you can barely hear your main weapons, your bolts. And there's, there's something about the audio where the music is drowning everything out that makes the action on screen seem far less exciting than it should be. But the way the game is designed is you have 15 levels and they go up in difficulty in length and eventually they'll hit a point probably where a level is too hard for you, but you are earning this currency with each run. You'll get a bonus if you do particularly well on a level and if you complete it at 100% kill all the enemies in it. And you use this currency to upgrade your ship. So you'll upgrade how much damage you can take, how much damage you give out, give yourself some extra bonus abilities, ability to call in some drones, shoot plasma beams in addition to your main weapon and so on so there's a bit of a loop of playing as 
far as you can get. Then hitting a wall where you got to upgrade your ship a bit. Using this currency you get to upgrade your ship and then progressing a bit further, hitting another wall. And a few hours, you'll probably max out of your ship and complete the game. But for those few hours, it's all right. I just wish, again, the audio was a bit better balanced so that the actual on-screen action was a bit more exciting. And the on-screen action, the, the gameplay itself, ignoring that element of it, the, the audio stuff, solid. It's a, it's a very solid schmuck. It is a, it's very bland in terms of its general aesthetic. It's just generic sci-fi spaceship stuff with a lot of metallic ships and you, you just find other ships. It doesn't get, in what I played at least, it, it doesn't get super crazy or elaborate. The, the bosses, all of them, pretty dull from a design standpoint, even an attack standpoint. So they, they, they didn't quite hit the mark there. But from a pure gameplay standpoint, I enjoyed my time with it enough. It's, it's, a, it's a fine game to waste a few hours with, turn your brain off, play while you're listening to a podcast or whatever, get your achievements and get out. Sometimes that's all you need. It's, 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 it's not rocket science, but it's all right time. Then the last game, though, is Ball Lab 2, which is a very simple and straightforward platformer. 30 levels, I believe. You play as a ball. You can double jump. And all you're doing is reaching the end of an area while avoiding spikes. They spice things up as you progress by putting in these little sort of, I guess, they would in the world, they'd be fans, I guess, blowing air so that you can get to higher levels or maybe they'll be blowing you down and pushing you towards spikes so you want to avoid those as well as some bits with water in them where you can navigate them by using the jump and that'll make you go up a little bit but overall pretty simple straightforward uh, a game you can get through complete get all the achievements in a half hour an hour max because the achievements are just complete all the levels and then die a certain number of times and to get all the death ones you'll have to die on purpose after a point because it's a pretty easy game but it's it's pretty simple straightforward nothing too fancy if you want some easy achievements, it's a perfect game. Of all these games, it's the one that'll give you achievements faster than the rest. Well, that's it in terms of what I've been playing this week. If you are a fan of Attack the Backlog, the episode for this weekend is going to be for Terminator Resistance. Throw that out there. I already finished it. Wrote the strip. Just got to put the video together. Give you a little taste of it. Nah, I ain't gonna give you a little taste of it. 
I just have to wait. But uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, the script, and I'm excited to put that video together. So, yeah. Anywho, that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Uh, again, I am, of course, your host, Marcus Jess. And y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. I talked about it at the top of the show, and then I said, hey, I won't wait until the end of the show. Of course, there is the Patreon, patreon.com slash PXS, which is where you can go if you enjoyed this year's show or any of the stuff I do and what have you and would like to support me and my nonsense. And for your support, you get some perks like a fancy schmancy Discord channel that you can chat in for certain ones, but more so the, the $5 tier, the all-you-can-oatmeal tier. That's where you get access to the super secret private awesome cool that's where the cool kids hang out channel but also the weekly Q&A where you can ask me whatever you like and I'll answer it and then I post them and you can listen back to it and be like oh I asked that they answered oh that's how Q&As work it was all a good time and yeah Sometimes do a random stream for them as well. So if you want even more of me, I don't know why you would. Patreon's the way to do it. But if you want links to everything, the site, the YouTube, the Patreon, the Discord, so much more, you can find all of them over at pxsausage.com. But that is it. That is all. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have both a wonderful rest of your day, a lovely rest of your week, and a wonderful weekend. But for now, adios. Uh, Reef energy. Bye.